Welcome to the Crux Podcast and Sermon of the Week. For more information about the Crux Ministries and Summit Church, please visit us at summitsanmarcos.com. All righty, guys. All right. All right. Hey, let's come together, guys. Come together. We'll talk about this all night. Hey, we just want to do something fun, get to know each other, all right? Hey, once again, I just want to double thanks whoever came out and served last Friday. It was awesome. We saw salvations. John alone saw three people get healed, which was so cool. Um, We saw different people who would never come into a church. We saw about 300 of them come down from the quads or Bloxy, fill the parking lot, kind of all throughout the night, hang out. And, and really, we just blessed them. We just gave to them. We just loved on them. We, because of that, we saw people get saved. And it was great. That's the whole goal, right? Is that we say the church is not a place that judges you from afar, but actually opens the doors and says, hey, come on in. You're welcome here. We love you. And so, and it worked. It was great. Because of that, we saw, we saw salvations. All the vendors were so uh, thankful and impressed. They were just like, hey, these are secular businesses. We're like, hey, please connect with us. We want to do things with you in the future. And they were blessed. And even the vendors got to hear the gospel of Jesus, which was so cool. So thank you guys. It could not have been done without you. So thank you, thank you, thank you. All right. Um, But hey, guys, we have been uh, doing a series. Last week, we had an amazing guest speaker here named Chris Vallotton, right? And by here, I mean he was on a DVD and we watched him on the big screen. But he was here. It was was just as convicting as though he was in the room, right? And um, and it was good. It was deep. Basically, for those who don't know, we have been doing a series um, called basically awakening and the the whole it came from a curriculum out of a group called Jesus Culture uh, where they said we long to see campuses uh, colleges wake up we long to see people in their jobs the like whole environments come to know Jesus we long to see another awakening in our nation and so we've been kind of going through that curriculum of theirs together here and every week we've been kind of just taking a, a different topic of something you need in your life if you want to live an awakened lifestyle come on we know that normal Christianity um, is what the book of Acts looks like. If you read the book of, book of Acts, that's your blueprint of this is what Christians look like. These are the first Christians. What did they do? And everywhere they went, they preached the gospel. They saw healings and signs and wonders. They saw cities turn for Jesus. This was normal Christianity. There wasn't really like another version of it. It would be abnormal to live a not on fire Christianity, right? And so basically we've been talking about how do we get how do we get back to that? How do we get back to be kind of alive as Christians. And so um, tonight, specifically, there's a message that uh, I really love. It was on the curriculum, and when I saw it, I was like, yes, I have to preach that, because it's what makes my heart really come alive. Tonight's message is called Carrying a Spirit of Revival. Carrying a Spirit of Revival. If you have your Bibles, turn with me to Matthew 12, verse 38. Uh, some quick context here is, it is, that is the New Testament, right? New Testament. If you don't know where it's at, God gave us a great book at the beginning called the Table of Contents. It'll guide you exactly where you need to go, okay? But the book of Matthew, chapter 12, verse 38, okay? So uh, some quick context. In this chapter, basically Jesus, he just healed a man, okay? Not only did he just heal a man, Jesus always He's constantly healing people. But this man was real messed up. This man was completely blind. This man was mute, so he could not speak as well. And if if the inability to speak isn't enough, then now, or can't see and speak, can't do both, right? On top of that, it says he had a demon in him, (laughs) okay? So this man, oh man, he can't see, he can't speak. 
All he can do is hear and feel, and yet he's possessed by a demon. And he's just hearing this demon in him all the time, right? I cannot imagine like a worse life than that, right? And Jesus on the spot in front of everybody heals him. The man can see, the man can speak, and the demon leaves. Like this is a big deal. This is what happens uh, with the verses right before this. And he does it right in front of the Pharisees. Uh, right in front of the Pharisees, okay? And then this is where our verse comes in, so you have the context, okay? It says, then some of the scribes and Pharisees answered him saying, teacher, we wish to see a sign from you. Okay, they literally just saw (laughs) a blind, mute, demon-possessed get free. And then they walk up and they're like, teacher, will you please show us a sign? And And I bet you the man who is now can see and speak and is free is probably standing there like... I can talk, <laughs> like, I can see, like, what do you mean you need a sign, you know, because so often, guys, the, the Pharisee, they, they, they represent really a religion, not a relationship, and often religion will really just see what it wants to see. Religion is looking for these logical answers, religion is looking for these things that's like, nope, you need to tell me about it, and so often, that's not bad except for when you miss out on the relationship of Jesus, and so these men, they saw an incredible miracle before them, and yet they missed it and said, we need to see a sign. Right? Because they were looking for what they wanted to see. And so they, they couldn't see it. And so, but he answered them, an evil and adulterous generation seeks for a sign, but no sign will be given to it except the sign of the prophet Jonah. For just as Jonah was three days and three nights in the belly of the great fish, so will the Son of Man be three days and three nights in the heart of the earth. Um, this is easy for us because we know the ending of the story. <laughs> we know he died, he went in the grave, and three days later, he rose again, just like Jonah, right? But they didn't know this. They didn't know the ending of the story. So it's like, oh, that makes sense for them. They're like, what, is, what the heck? You know, right? So for us, there is that immediate interpretation, right? But that Jesus is, is coming back. But there's something deeper he's saying there. He, he's saying that the sign to look for is me. Watch what happens to me, that I'm going to come back to life. Look for me. Don't look for the sign of the miracle. Look for the sign of the man. Look for me. I am your sign, right? Don't look for an action as much as the person, right? And and he's saying here, there's something deeper that like you Pharisees, you you missed it, right? Uh, He shows, uh, I'm, I'm already here, you don't need another sign. He didn't tell them, like, hey, didn't you just see the sign I performed? Like, he didn't try to defend himself. He just said, look for me. Like, look and watch what happens to me. That's going to be your sign. Me coming back, right? Me glorified, me, me rising again. That's your sign. Look for me, follow me, you'll get your sign because it's me all along. And so, so often, what's this have to do with revival? We're talking about carrying a spirit of revival. A lot of times we talk about revival as like this event that's going to break out one day. But I believe that the greatest revival in human history has already begun. It's standing right before us and we're saying, God, give me a sign that revival is coming. And he's like, it's me. I'm already here. I'm already doing it. Like revival is already breaking forth on the earth. You don't need to wait for a sign. There's things already happening for those who have eyes to see it. And, and often we're, we, we hear of revival and we, we have a misconception about revival is. And so I want to talk tonight. We hear this word revival. And you see people say it with great accents with like revival. Like they say it all intense. We're like, oh, it must be intense, right? And so basically I want to give clarity as to what is real revival. A lot of times we hear revival and we just think uh, a bunch of church meetings. 
We just think a bunch of Christians coming together to worship God. I love that stuff. I, it's fantastic. I will be at those meetings. We think a bunch of people filling a stadium. Once again, that's great. I love that stuff. I'll be at that meeting, right? But real revival is when the lost come to Jesus, not just a bunch of Christians filling the room. It's Christians going out of the room and seeing the lost come to Jesus, the one getting revived, but the masses also getting revived and coming back to Jesus. And so that's when I say the word revival tonight, I'm going to say a lot. When you hear that word, don't think of these meetings or these uh, just worship nights, though those are good. Think of the lost meeting Jesus, the lost getting saved when you hear the word revival, okay? That's what it means, okay? And so uh, uh, my, uh, I have a brother, he's got uh, a couple kids now, and he basically, <laughs> yeah, he's great. And so the kids, they have their birthday. Everyone here has got a birthday. But before the baby was born, they showed me like, hey, we had an ultrasound. Here's the sonogram. Here's the picture of the baby. And the baby looks like an alien, you know, in there. And the baby also looks like, oh, the light. Like, stop. Look at, right? Like, give me nine more months. I don't want to, like, <laughs> like, like the baby's always got this weird look on his face, right? And, and yeah, uh, still, still being made, you know, like, right? And so basically, but the life of the child, right? happened long before the actual birth, right? There's this person in there long before the birth ever even came, right? A lot of times we think revival of this event that happens, this birth that happens, but long before you see the masses come to Jesus, it actually starts with something in you, in your heart, in the hidden place. It starts here and then can be birthed outwardly. We wait around for this event saying, you know, when the baby's born, then we'll get ready for the baby, you know? And it's like, well, no, wait, wait, wait. It's birthed in here. There's something happening in here already. Get ready for it now. Get ready for the birth because it's coming, right? And so though Basically, I believe, what is that thing then? What is that thing that you need to get, like conception, conceded into your heart? What is the thing that needs to get there inside of you, like a pregnancy that can grow in you until we see the masses come to Jesus, the loss come? What is that thing? And I believe it, it can really be summed up in this, desperation, desperate desperation is that thing. When you get desperation for a move of God in your heart, you have, now there's been this, this conception of revival inside of you because you're desperate to see God move. Now revival can grow in your heart and you're ready to be trusted when it breaks out and lost gets saved to jump in because you have a desperation inside of you to see God move. If you're not desperate for a move of God, you're never going to see one. You know, it, 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 it basically, as long as we're okay to live without revival, we will live without revival. Like, as long as you're okay to not see the lost get saved, you're not going to see the lost get saved, right? There has to be a first, a desperation inside of you that says, I will give everything to see the lost be saved, and then revival can come through you. Have you guys, um, I, lo I love this generation because I can just name drop Spongebob and everyone knows what I'm talking about. Um, basically, you guys know the episode of Spongebob where he like goes into, he goes into Sandy's little bowl, right? And, and he doesn't realize that he's like, can't survive without water. And so he just goes in there and he's like walking around and he's like, I don't need water. Like, I don't need it. I don't need it, right? And there's a moment where he's all like crispy and like, 
And he's just like, I don't need it. I don't need it, right? And he's like, I don't need it. And then finally something snaps in him, and he's like, I need it, right? And, and, and then he just, like, runs and jumps into, like, the, the, the bowl or whatever, like, right? The fish bowl or something, whatever it is. Bird bath, that's what it is. And he, like, just jumps in, right? And because he's like, I need it. Yeah, pick it up. Pick it up, SpongeBob, right? All right, he jumps in. Okay, so why do I say that? Because that's what desperation looks like. There's got to be so often, there's people where we're walking around as Christians, and it's like revival, lost, getting saved, glory, God sweeping the earth. And we're like, I don't need it. I don't need it. I'm good where I'm at. I'm good where I'm at. I'm good where I'm at. I don't need it. I just need to have a good Christian life. I just need to see maybe one person get saved. I just want to be a light, and then that's good, and I'll do my responsibility, and that's it. I don't need 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 the masses to get saved. You know, I just, I'm thinking about me, not them. I, right, I don't need it. And there has to be a snapping moment where you're like, I need it. <laughs> like, uh, I have to see God move in my day. I don't, uh, I love the stories of old, but I need it. I need to see God move. I need to see the lost get saved through my hands. I need to see it. And a sign that God is ready for revival uh, in your region is when there's a few people who get desperate to see God's power come, desperate to see him transform the region, desperate to see the name of Jesus get famous. Another sign is what breaks your heart when you get desperate to like not see Satan win on your campus. Not see him win in your family. Not see him win in your city. Not see him win when you're desperate of like, God, I'm tired of seeing people depressed. God, uh, I'm tired of seeing people cut themselves. God, uh, I'm tired of seeing Hollywood uh, celebrities get famous and then, be, and then kill themselves or, or die from drugs. Like, that's not okay. Like, when, when your heart starts to break, God, I'm tired of seeing the orphans, like, without a home. When you got to get desperate to see something change in you before you can see something happen through you gotta get desperate you gotta get desperate for God to move and many of us aren't desperate which is why I believe many of us have not seen a real full revival because as long as we're satisfied to live without one we're gonna live without one gotta get desperate guys there's this, uh, I'm going to share a story um, about revival. This is what I do for fun. I just look up stories of revival because I'm like, I need it, right? And so, <laughs> like, I just study these verses, these stories. And one of my, the one I learned this week that I'm so excited to share with you about, I'm like, how did I not know this one existed? It was called the Hebrides Revival. And it happened uh, in the 19, it was like 1940s. So not that long ago. Like, not even 100 years ago, the 1940s, and it was over in Europe. There was an island, think kind of like Catalina, where there's a town, people living on the island, things like that. But it was over in Europe, and basically, um, the island, there was two people who were desperate for a move of God. One was named Peggy, and she was 84 years old. And it says that she was bent over with arthritis. She couldn't even, like, fully stand. Her other one was her little sister, Christine who was 82 years old, <laughs> okay? And it said, literally it describes Christine as stone blind, 
right? Like, like she, she's just blind. Like, that's what the comments are. They're like, she was just stone blind. I don't even know, right? And she's just blind. That's how they describe her. And the two of them were broken because they didn't know of any, it says that they were broken because they didn't see the youth, they didn't see young people serving God or even saved in their whole region. And what can two old ladies in their 80s do who are paralyzed with, with arthritis and, and blind? What could they do to see the youth come, right? But they were desperate. They were broken over this. So it says that they turned to prayer. And it says they prayed for about six months. Just they got desperate saying, God, move in the city. Move in the youth. Move in the young people. God, save them. And then they said, hey, let's invite like a revivalist speaker to come, right? Maybe he can crack it open, right? And so he comes, he preaches, nothing happens, right? It says that a couple people gathered. It was good word, good sermon, good word, pastor. Revival didn't break out. And, and they were all kind of frustrated, like, oh, God, we need you to move. And all of a sudden, at the end of the meeting, it was 11 o'clock at night, and it says that this, this uh, man gets down on his knees. He gets desperate. And it says he cries out to God. This is what he says. He says, God, you can't fail us, God. You can't fail us. You promise to pour water on the thirsty and floods on the dry ground, God. You cannot fail us. This is what he starts crying out. And as he's crying this out, it says that some guy from the town runs into the church and is like, Pastor, you got to see this. And they go outside and there's 600 people outside the church on their knees crying out for God to save them. Okay, 600 people out there, okay? They didn't come because of a message. They didn't hear anything. They, they, when they asked them when they came, all of them came from different areas. It said that 100 of them were in a club dancing and all of them were just kind of like, I need to get right with God. And they just left. And they said that, that people, fishermen were out late and they all of a sudden they just pulled their boats in and they said, I don't know what's going on. I need God. People woke up convicted and just said, I need, I need God. And all these people without a single message going out woke up and just said, I need God. And they saw a light on at the church and they said, maybe if we go there, we, they'll tell us what to do. And they couldn't even make it indoors. They just fell at the foot of the church, weeping, asking God to save them. And it says that, that then the preacher got up and was like, okay, our rival's here. And so he basically, he just leads them all to the Lord. And then they start singing worship songs until four in the morning. Okay. That's a revival. People on their knees in the dirt at night, worshiping God. Right. And then this is crazy guys. It gets crazier. A blacksmith comes running up to him. Okay. And he's like, pastor, pastor, you need to come to the police station. And they go to the police station. There's 400 other people at the police station on their knees crying out for God to save them. 400 more. Why? They asked them why. They said they just magnetically felt drawn there. Guess who lived next door to the police station? Peggy and Christine Smith, the old ladies, praying for revival to come. And they don't know Peggy and Christine, but they know the police station, and for some reason they just felt drawn there. So they're outside these old ladies' houses, right? And then the pastor leads them to the Lord, and then they get another word that there's all these people in a field crying out to God, and he goes out there, and then they all go to the Lord. And all these people in a sweep through, and all of these people get saved throughout the entire island. Guys, revivalists, the spirit of revival, it always happens with unlikely people. It always happens in unlikely areas. You might think your campus is hard, your work is hard, your family's hard, where your job, wherever you're at. You might think it's too dark, it's too hard, God can't use me. But all it takes is a spontaneous spark of the desperate few crying out to God for a move to come. 
Uh, revival, what it is, is it's an extraordinary move of God uh, where Jesus becomes the attention of the people, right? Where the people realize God's not a, he's not just a character in my life, like, I should be a character in his life. Like, it's about him, and I'm the minor character, right? It's for him, right? And revival is when God sovereignly, he just brings people to himself. It's almost like, oh, man, people are being too slow. I'm just going to wake up everybody, right? And he just brings these people. Revival, it's the sudden manifestation of this transforming power of God to change a whole region because the lost are getting saved. And I share that to get you hungry for revival. Can I tell you a couple of real-life revivalists? I, may, I believe you're called to be them, but when you hear stories about them, it helps encourage your heart of what it looks like. There was a man named Charles Finney in the 1800s. He was an atheist, and preachers avoided him because they were scared of him because he was a lawyer, and he's really good at arguing and just beating him down, right? He has a radical encounter with God at his table, and he gets saved, okay? And then he goes out. And he goes to Rochester, New York, which is really dark at the time, and sees thousands get saved, okay? Uh, there's this crazy story where he goes into, like, a sewing mill, and there's all these women there sewing, right? And, and all he does is he just walks into the room, and then and the women look up to him, and then all of a sudden says they just started trembling under, like, conviction. And then all of a sudden, the women just started breaking down crying everywhere, and conviction came. The owner walked in because all the work had stopped. He didn't say a thing. He just walked in and stood there. And the owner walks in and sees him. The owner's convicted. And he looks at, the, at Charles Finney and he says, can you please tell us about God? And Charles Finney tells them all about God and they all get saved right there. That was a revival moment where the God sovereignly moved and the lost got saved through this man who just walked in and said, okay, God, I'm desperate for you to move. I'll go wherever you want. And he walked in, and then it broke out. Another man, Jonathan Edwards, this is crazy. Back in the 1650s, um, there was, the church was so, like, watered down, they came up with something called the halfway covenant, okay? So basically, so basically what it was is that there weren't enough people in the seats. And so what they said is they said, rather than calling the people higher, let's lower our theology to meet them. And they said, we'll meet you halfway. It's the halfway covenant. And they basically said, hey, look, um, we'll baptize you. We'll call you a member of the church. You can still go to heaven and know God. All you have to do is just come on like a Sunday. You know, that's it. Just meet us there. And so just keep living your life, but that's all you have to do. There's no holiness. There's nothing like that. And it worked. The churches got filled, and yet society plummeted. And it was so dark. All the people were so, it was so dark, right? And in this environment, a man named Jonathan Edward gets up in a field, and he preaches to the lost, to know God, and it sweeps through, and the first great awakening happens in America. God always sends revival in the darkest hours. He always sends revival even when the church is dark or when the church needs help, when the church is having a hard time standing. God sends his revival. Uh, there's a man, a famous, he was a famous revivalist, but he was also a historian guy who studied revivals. His name was J. Edwin Orr in the 1950s, and he said this, he found five characteristics of revival. Basically, if this region has these five characteristics, oh, you beat me to it up there, all right. If it has these five, try not to look, look at me, right? <laughs> these five characteristics, if it happens, revival will break out. And basically, now you can put it up, the first characteristic, he said, was greed and rising crime. He said, if the place is greedy and crime is rising, you're perfect for revival. Have you guys seen greed 
in our nation? Have you seen greed in this region? Have you seen crime rising in different areas, right? The next one he said was corruption in business and political practice. I don't even have to say it. The news is filled constantly with CEOs or senators or politicians or people um, like whatever. It doesn't even matter what party you're in. Corruption in business, corruption in politics, right? I don't know if you think so, but I think America qualifies here for that. Okay, uh, Perversion goes mainstream when they start celebrating perversion rather than say, no, that's not good. They actually, there's a celebration, right? Like, hey, Hey, you're cool if you sleep around. Like you're you're cool if you live this lifestyle. You're cool if you do drugs. You're cool if you. There's a celebration of it. Then he said, if the culture there's an occult domination, we see it all over. We see in this new age movement. We see all this occultic stuff happening. Finally, he says, if there's an antichrist, anti-Bible, anti-church sentiment, we see that in the schools. You can't talk about Christ. Don't talk about the Bible. Don't talk about church. He says, if a region has these five things, it's perfect for revival. Every region that had these five characteristics, we see a revival in. That's what he said. It's not a region that is like perfect, then God will send his revival. It's the darkest region, that's where God sends it. And I, and I say this just for one reason, to tell you something. We qualify. <laughs> like, 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 we qualify for revival. We qualify, America qualifies for revival. Yeah, we deserve judgment, but God always says that his, tr his mercy triumphs over the judgment. So the very place where judgment should come, he loves to send his revival. Matthew 24, 14, it says that the good news about the kingdom will be preached throughout the world so that all the nations will hear it, and then the end will come. The end is not going to come based on like a sickness or some flood or natural disaster or aliens or machines or, or, or global warming or all these things. We're promised this isn't going to be the end, that before the world ends... All of the nations will hear about the kingdom of God, that we will see a worldwide impact before the end comes. Habakkuk 2.14, for as the water fills the sea, the earth will be filled with an awareness of the glory of God. There's a day when all of the earth will be filled with the awareness of God. We, I tell you this because a lot of times we have this mentality, this Star Trek, beam me up Scotty mentality, right? You see Star Trek, right? Right when there's danger, right when he's falling down a cliff, he's like, beam me up Scotty. And Scotty's trying to find him and then beams him up at the last second and rescues him out of here. It was getting real bad, but good thing he made it out, right? We have this Christian escapist mentality that's like, my environment's real dark. God, please just get me out of there. Earth is just going to hell. Please, God, bring the rapture before it goes bad, you know, oh God, like my school's real dark, real bad, I just need to graduate and get out of there, right, and we have this defensive mentality, rather than saying, I impact my environment, we just try to survive and say, I just don't want my environment to impact me, I just don't, I just, I just want to survive, get through this, have my good little Christian friends, and, and all that, and, and I just need God to beam me out when it's time, and I just need to survive, and this has been our Christianity for years, I just need to survive. And we've had a survival mentality rather than a revival mentality. Like you, a revival mentality says, no, no, no. Glory of God is meant to fill this region. Glory of God is meant to change this. Isaiah 9, 7, of the increase of his government and, and of peace, there will be no end. He says, this is my strategy, that it increases my government. So the, People, you're listening to bad news where you're just like, the world's getting worse, the world's getting worse, the world's getting worse. Sure, in certain areas, it is getting worse. Why? Because God's glory is so increasing, the devil's trying to catch up. 
and increase the darkness. We think the other way around. We think there's so much darkness, I'm just going to try to be a light. No, no, God's pouring his spirit out and the darkness is trying to catch up. That's why it's getting darker and darker. Um, Reinhard Bonnke, this guy's incredible. This man, listen, in our day, he's alive now. He did an altar call of 1.3 million people. And that's not people raising hands. Those are people who came afterwards. It wasn't like, show of hands. Okay, one, two, three, four, five, six. 1.3 million, right? Like, they didn't do that. These are people who they were followed up with, shared their conversion with of the meeting, and got plugged into a local church. That's when they said, okay, you were saved. It was a real conversion. 1.3 million at a single meeting. 1.8 million came, and 1.3 million got saved. This is in Africa. Like, that's an entire city shifted in a moment. To say the earth's getting worse and worse and worse, you're reading the wrong news because this is happening right now. Back in the Hebrides revival uh, that I was sharing with you about, they actually interviewed the, the unbelievers because they're like, what's it like to be an unbeliever in a revival, <laughs> right? <laughs> and they interviewed them, right? And literally, the people are documented. They said, we will have to either move off of the island or become a Christian like them. Like, literally, they, they, they basically said, they said, it is sweeping so much. If we stay too long, they're going to get us, and we're going to get saved. Our only option is get saved or leave the island, <laughs> right? Like, like, this is what the unbelievers thought, because God was so sweeping and moving in the area. John Wesley, another revivalist, this is what he said. He comes, he comes to uh, Newcastle in England, and he's quoted to saying this. He says, I was surprised so much drunkenness, cursing, and swearing, even from the mouths of little children. The kids were drunk. The kids were swearing. The kids were doing bad. He says, uh, he said, do I never remember to have seen and heard before in so small a compass of time? I've never seen anything like this. It was so bad. Surely this place is ripe for him who came not to call the righteous, but sinners to repentance. Revivalist thinking says, man, this place is dark. This is the exact spot God's going to move. Revivalist thinking doesn't go, it's so dark in here. I have a headache. I need to leave, right? No, like revivalist thinking says, it's so dark in here. Like, I'll take it. Like, this is where I'll move. This is where I, this is where I plant. Revivalist thinking says, yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, I, I'm not a victim in the darkness. The darkness is a victim of the light inside of me, Right? Like, no, 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 it's not like, oh, God, I hope I make it through this darkness. It's just so hard at work. It's just so hard. Like, work should be saying, oh, man, those Christians. <laughs> the devil's like, it's so hard when they come to work, you know, like, because there's, because the light in you is stronger. To carry a spirit of revival means to know that what God put in you is more than any dilemma you're going to find in this world. Charles Spurgeon, another revival. I'm trying to share quotes to show you this is how a revivalist thinks. And we need to change our thinking if we're going to carry a spirit of revival. Normal Christianity is not like I go to church on Thursdays, I go to church on Sundays, and I'm involved in a small group, and that's it. No, normal Christianity is revivalist thinking of how do I impact this world for Jesus. Charles Spurgeon, he said, I myself believe that King Jesus will reign, and the idols will be utterly abolished. And he says, I expect, he expects, I expect the same power which turned the world upside down once will still continue to do it. He does it like, yeah, the disciples turned the world upside down, and then it kind of ended, and we're just kind of waiting now. 
He's like, no, 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 the same power that turned it down once, that turned it around, can do it again. And I'm expecting for that God to show up. Do we have this kind of a mentality? Do we say, uh, you know, oh, my job's just to have a good life, you know, good family, get work, do well, be a good Christian, get to heaven, maybe get one or two people with me? Or do we have a vision to impact the world? Dom and I, we played volleyball back in high school. Um, and I remember there was this one time when we walked in, and we were real bad. We weren't very good, really bad team. And we walked in, and the team was huge. It was this public school, and they were giant, right? And I think it was Oceanside we played. Yeah, it was Oceanside. And we were like these little, like, private school kids. And we walk in, and they're, they're giant. They're these huge dudes. And I remember one of the players said to me, we're sitting there, and he was just like, I think they eat lesser volleyball players for breakfast. <laughs> they eat smaller volleyball players. Like, that's how huge they are, right? And of course, it wasn't an underdog story. We didn't win and come back. We got destroyed, right? <laughs> we got owned, right? I remember going up to the net, and the guy growled at me through the net. And I'm like, oh, right? <laughs> it wasn't like jump up and block. It was like, oh, don't, hit me. <laughs> like don't hit me, right? And, and thank God there's a net separating us, right? Because it was not revival thinking. It was the survival thinking. We were defeated the minute we walked in and saw them. We were defeated the minute we were in the locker room and, and heard about these guys. So many Christians, you're defeated before you go to work. You're defeated before you go on your campus. You're defeated because you focus on how great the darkness is and you've already lost it. And you're not going in trying to win the game. You're going in trying to survive through it until coach pulls you out. And it's like, good job. Here's some water. Like, that's, that's what we've done. We're like, oh, God, I'm, gonna try, I'm just going to try to survive. And then pull me out, God. Pull me out, God. <laughs> right? And he's like, no. Like, get in there. Get in there, man. Where do you want to see a God move? What would it look like if you carried this kind of a mindset? How would school change? How would work change? How would life change? How would eternity change? Do you have a large enough vision for your life? I love going to the one. I love it. Jesus always went to the one. I believe it. But he also saved thousands in a moment. You have to have a vision for the one, but you also need a mass vision as well. I don't want to just see one person get saved. I want to see millions get saved right? Uh, you need a bigger vision of the harvest. In order to carry the spirit of revival, you have to have a vision for the harvest. You have to get a vision for God's harvest. I don't want to just see one student get saved. I want to see the campus get saved. If you want that, you'll stop for the one student. A lot of times people accuse, well, it's about the one. Don't, don't aim so high. And it's like, no, 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 no. You, if you aim high, you will get the one. But if you just aim for the one, you're never going to get anything more. Like, aim for it. Maybe I won't see the whole campus get saved, but maybe I'll see like 50 more than if I didn't go for it, right? And, and so you need a bigger vision. I want to see the entire movie industry get changed. I want to see the entire science industry get changed. I don't want to just be a, a light in that industry. I want to see the light invade that industry, right? I want to see the darkness leave that industry, have you, will you, I don't know, but like I said, I can guarantee your impact will be greater if you get that kind of a mindset. You have to get a revival thinking mentality, guys. Are you doing okay? Awesome. Okay. You guys, uh, you, you, you got to get, I, when I was thinking about this, the first thing I thought of was an old TV show called Pinky and the Brain. You guys know this one? Do you remember that? Do you guys remember that show? Right? Where, 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 where Pinky's, they're like these little mice, and he's like, 
He's just like, so, Brain, what do you want to do today? And he's like, the same thing we do every day, Pinky. Try and take over the world, <laughs> right? Like, he didn't say, like, oh, we're just going to try to get some food for today. We're just going to try to find a bigger cage today, Pinky. Oh, we're just, we're going to try to find a nice, like, woman mouse and have some little mice children, right? You know, like, like I, oh, oh, yeah, Pinky, today we're, we're just going to try to survive and not fall into a mouse trap, you know? Like, this little mouse is like, we're going to take over the world, right? That's like, that's his thought. And I'm like, man, if the church had this kind of thinking, man, where we're like, I just want to make it through the day. I'm just exhausted. I just got to make it through the day. I just want to find a good spouse. I just want to have kids. I, I, I just, I just want to like be comfortable. And it's like, ah, oh, that's, you're settling for so small. It's like, oh, take over the world for Jesus, right? Revivalists have a thinking that say it's not time to sit back. It is time to take back. As Sean Smith has this quote, he says, you cannot be frozen in a culture that you have been chosen to transform. You cannot be frozen in a culture that you've been chosen to transform. We have to get this mentality that Jesus already is the sign. He already said go. So often we say, I'm going to wait until I hear a yes. The yes was already thousands of years ago. It, 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 go until you hear a no. Go until you hear him say no. Don't wait until you have a yes. What's up? Oh, <laughs> everyone's like, go until you, until you hear otherwise. Paul, the book of Acts, it's called Acts. They were acting. They were doing things. They were taking action. Paul went, and then God said, no, don't go there, and he steered him somewhere else. But if he just sat there and was like, what? they waited until the Spirit came. That was the only time they waited. On, they waited, and then when God came, then they went. We wait, and then we have our meeting, and then we're like, oh, I can't wait till the next meeting. And we never leave. And then we have another meeting. We think revival is meeting every single night. But they had one meeting, and then they went, right? Yes, there's times to fill up, have your meeting, get filled up, get encountered, and then go. That's my little timer that I've been preaching too long. So I'll wrap up here. <laughs> Guys, there are 7.5 billion people. 7.5 billion people in this world. And, and Jesus said, this is going to be the sign for that generation. This will be your sign, right? It's Jesus, like the man who's already there. Your, your sign, you don't need a commissioning like you've already been great commissioned. <laughs> you, you, you don't need another meeting. You just got to get out there and impact your world. You don't need another, uh, uh, like, I, oh, man, maybe if I was more equipped and knew more verses or knew more. No, like 84-year-old Peggy, <laughs> right, changed the world. What you do need is not more verses you need to memorize. Yes, that's good. Memorize verses, Yes. But you can memorize all the verses in the world and be like a Pharisee and completely miss the sign. What you need is desperation. Desperation to say, God, I don't want, I, I'm not at this job just so I can make money and pay rent. I'm at this job because I'm a missionary chosen to be here. I'm not in this class just to get the, elect, the, the, the units. I'm not this class to fill a requirement. I was chosen for this classroom with these 30 to a few hundred people as a missionary to impact them. 
and I might never see them again, and this is my small window of opportunity to impact them. Like, it, like the idea of it's just a stepping stone to the next thing. Sometimes we do that, and we, just, and we miss what was on the stone, that God had something for us there. He had people he wanted to save there, something he wanted to do there. And so come on, guys, shift the mentality. You're not meant to survive. You're meant to thrive and revive. Like, that's what you're meant to do. So stand with me together. I officially went for my 35 minutes. <laughs> All right. Lord, we ask that you would move in us, God. God, we ask for desperation. Guys, if you, if you were hit and you were just like, man, I'm not desperate for, the, for, for a revival, what you do is pray for it until you have it. And then when you have it, you'll keep praying for it because now you actually have it, right? Pray for it until it comes, then it'll come, so you'll keep praying for it. Right? Pray in faith. God, give me desperation and confess to yourself, I'm desperate for revival. I'm desperate to see God move. I don't want my college years just to be like, I got the units and I moved on. I made some good friends. I want my college years to be like, oh, I brought Jesus to a campus. I don't want those, those jobs, whether it's a small first-time minimum wage job or your career job, I don't want it to be just a season where I made money, got the experience, built my resume. Oh, God, help us to realize that it, it was a marked season planned from eternity past for you to say, here's the right missionary for the right job at the right time. God, would we have that desperation like Peggy and Christine Smith <laughs> in their 80s who just said, God, we will pray. We will pray for, to see a movement in our life. Oh, we love you, God. God, we love you. What would it look like if there were a few people? If 12 people turned the world upside down, how many? What could we do with 40 of us? God, move in our hearts, God. Remove our passivity. Remove our, uh, our comfort. I don't need comfort, God. I need the comforter. I don't need provision. I need the provider. Like, I need you. I need you. I don't need another sign. You are the sign. You're the sign and you already are here. Oh, God, wake up your church, your body of Christ. Wake us up, oh, God. Wake us up. Wake us up, God, to the moment of time we live in. The moment of impact that we live in, God. Thank you, God. We're not waiting for you to send revival. You're like waiting for us to bring it. And Lord, we repent in any way that we just kind of became like sloth and just didn't really care and just whatever. And, and all the days blurred together and we just stopped caring. Oh God, wake us up to the preciousness of this moment. Wake us up to this moment, God. Wake us up. Thank you. Father, right now, I, I just even speak over every person in this room that they are commissioned from heaven to be missionaries in their job, missionaries at their school, missionaries to their family, missionaries where they're at. Thank you, God, that they are not on the defense. Light is never at the defense of darkness. Light is never defending darkness, never. Light's always advancing. Light is always piercing through darkness. Father, I ask that they would see themselves as the light of the earth, that they would see themselves the way that you see them, that they would see themselves the way heaven sees them, God. Mark us, shift us, change us, God, and awaken us.
would we carry a spirit of revival, God? Thank you for listening to the Crux Podcast Sermon of the Week. Be sure to visit summitsanmarcos.com for other exciting content from Summit Church.